Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out Have either of you been to Coachella? Yes. Yep. When did you, or I guess how many times first? I went to the very first one. Really? What what year was that? It was in 99 in uh, like early October. Uh, it was a two night, two or two day thing. And it was sweltering. It was a brutal. <laughs> just and, and that's in fact, that's what I remember the most. It was just, it was like 104. They didn't realize even in October. Because basically it was like the end of September. I think it was like the first weekend of October. And, you know, it was still uh, over 100 degrees. And they handed out one water bottle, which we were done with in 30 seconds. And you just had to sit in the grass. There was no shade. It was at a different place than it's at now. Oh, really? Area. Yeah. There was but none who of was, the. Who was the headliner? So it was uh, Beck. I don't know who was the actual headliner, but it was Beck. Well, no, sorry. Beck and Rage Against the Machine were headliners. The different nights I would, and then uh, so yeah, Rage Against the Machine and Beck had different. I think Saturday, Sunday, and then Tool, Pavement, Moby, oh, um, oh uh, Theory Thievery Corporation. The first time I went to Coachella was actually with Paul's wristband that he somehow got off <laughs> of his wrist and gave to me for Sunday, yeah. um, and yeah. it was one of the first times I hung out with my now wife. Um, we had just started dating. She was going to Coachella. And then basically I was like, ah, should I just come down and fucking party with you guys? You invited yourself? Kind of. Yeah. Bold. It was Andrew. a big group of us going and yeah. already it was, and we, everybody um, was crashing on each other's floors. And but it was like... I had Paul's wristband, but that Saturday night before I went on Sunday, Paul almost cut his whole hand off what <laughs> what did you do how did you it was, do it that? was actually like my um forearm oh yeah yeah still see. you had a huge gash you were just like good and hammered by that point you're like it's fine it's fine i got this oh my god what well, do you want to relay that story to us no i just i'd like this was actually back at the house this wasn't even at the uh the concert or at the venue and yeah like i tripped and fell on a like or broke a bottle like uh, as i tripped Ooh. and it fell on my it just it's just i mean a perfect situation of just you know wow. whatever hilarity and ridiculousness and yeah and that just the bottle broke right as i fell and it just a piece like really cut into my um forearm and then when i first got there no one was there yet at the house and i'm standing there i'm like ringing the doorbell with a big 12 pack cardboard <laughs> and on the drive it got all soggy and I'm standing there like I barely know anyone, like yeah. who's here? And then the, the beers start falling out of the bottom of the fucking cardboard <laughs> box, breaking. I'm like, oh my god, this is a great. Uh, hey, Neil's here. There's already fucking glass and beer everywhere. <laughs> Dude, uh, did I, I didn't cut myself on one of those pieces. Well, I, I hope not. No, knows? I cleaned it up. I, I you know. Yeah, I don't think it was. Yeah, it was one of my. It wasn't. Yeah. Old, it was How dare you question Neil's cleaning abilities, Paul? <laughs> um, well, especially in that situation, I was like, I'm making yeah, sure totally. this. Yeah. <laughs> so, what year was that? Yeah, Neil, what was that? I was trying to think about that. That was 2010. Okay. Yeah. 
on yeah. Sunday, I saw Pavement and Tom York and Gorillas, maybe. Muse, they... Muse, Jay-Z, and Gorillas were the three. Interesting. Okay. I, I went one year with kind of similar, Neil. I was dating someone, and we went with a huge group of, like, hmm. mostly her friends, basically all her friends. I knew some of them. Um, and we'd been dating longer than, than you and Michelle and, or than you and your wife had known each other and went down, had a big house, but they were all into like, we're going to be in the dance tent the whole time. And I was like, I'm sneaking a flask in every day. I'm going to be seeing the bands I want to see. Cause like the headliners were Radiohead killed, Black Keys killed. Uh, and then there was the year that the Tupac hologram, uh, Dr. Trey and Snoop Dogg and and the Tupac hologram made an appearance it was great, but it was kind of a, I'm going once and I'm good, pretty yeah, much. I haven't been back. <laughs> um, none of the lineups have, uh, haven't been drawn to them at all. Well, they, they've definitely gotten less enticing as I've gotten older. Um, <laughs> I think the headliners this year are The weekend, maybe Harry Styles. Harry Styles headlines tonight, yeah. Billie Eilish, I think. Yep. So. I, I, actually, we've done two of the headliners. We've done a song by them on this podcast, um, so we're not that out of the loop. But and Arcade Fire <laughs> is playing, not a headliner, but they are playing yeah. right now. You did that yeah. hey, right now. They're live streaming, right guys. Now, live streaming right what, now. Now, what do you, what is your take on live streaming? Have you during the pandemic? I know it became a, kind of a thing, but did you watch any live streams? Do you currently watch live streams? I don't really, but. I have in the past, but you got to be ready. You got to be like excited, like get some chips and some beers and like be ready to just sit down and watch some music. You can't just casually turn on like a live stream and get real you, into you, it. You got to have some po- folks over too. Like, yeah. Well, back in the day when it was still a novelty, I remember driving somewhere in South Los Angeles to a, a movie theater to yeah. see fish. But this was like early 2000s. Like it was like a fish concert being broadcast at theaters. Yeah, it was yeah. a good time. I mean, it was ridiculous going to see fish at a theater. <laughs> I mean, yes, yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous. And you should be ashamed of, of, <laughs> of, even t- of doing that and, and telling that story. But but, but the, year, the year makes You're it gonna better. Cut that it's out, not please. like I did it last year. It was 15 years ago at least. You want even more insufferability? I, yes. I would see a live opera at the Lincoln Center that they would play at the AMC movie theater oh, while it was wow. happening in New York. And you could see that. Yeah. Wow. So, oh, it's so well. Yeah, we could take you one notch lower. Josh, well, if you had to go to one, which would it be? The fish or ballet? <laughs> um, if I had to do one, like if I had to go to a theater and watch a band um, that I couldn't see, can they? I mean, I've, I've probably, I'd probably. My answer is always Pink Floyd, like in their prime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. yeah. About a band that I'd want to see. Um, totally. But you know, they, they're from a, a time long ago. Speaking of which, Paul, um, we we do like to ask our guests before they leave. Have do you know how to do you play any instruments? Do you know how to play an instrument? Have you ever learned how to play an instrument? Yeah, I did. I grew. I played uh, drums, piano, too, growing up. Um, I, I played drums for years and years and played in bands and stuff like that. And then, um, and then as I just got older, I really stopped playing all instruments altogether, and which is a shame, really, because yeah. I loved music so much and I loved playing so much. Um, could you could you pick up some sticks and uh, beat the drum if, if you needed to in time? Oh, to- oh, yeah, totally. How many years did you play? Uh, I mean, I took lessons for 
know, I mean, 10 years. And you were never in a band? No, no, yeah. And then I had like some high school stuff and stuff in college, whatever. And um, what, was, like, what no were the band touring, names? No touring stuff. Yeah. What were the band um, names? The the soccer hooligans. Okay. okay. The college okay. band. The high school band. I don't even know if we even had a name. Just jam session? Just jam, jam session. Yeah, exactly. Jam sessions. <laughs> the soccer the jam. hooligans just jamming? Yeah. So, uh, well, soccer hooligans, yeah. Well, that was more than a jam band. Like we wrote songs and stuff. But um, What was your favorite song of the soccer hooligans, if you can remember? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's one song we wrote uh, called "Hopeless Romantic." That was a good one. So I'm mean, I'm guessing by soccer hooligans, we're we're talking like punk. No, you know, it was actually we we got the name from um, there was like a news article, whatever news, whatever update something on some sort of news station we were watching and and they were like soccer hooligans tonight at eight you know it was like (laughs) england and europe and all these you know obviously true soccer hooligans that would like you know uh, utter destruction at all these big football matches all over europe and south america and it was like that's a great name yeah (laughs) the the biggest question is did the singer try to sing british uh all three of us took Sort of turn singing British and, or uh, just singing? No, no, just singing. Yeah, no, there was really no British connection. Um, Y'all were I mean, like, we are the soccer hooligans. We just like that. We just like that name. Like that's a great name. And what what year was this? Oh, this would have been uh, 94, 95. Okay. Ninety six. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven. All right in that world. Yeah. So if you were in Los Angeles in ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, and you saw the soccer hooligans. <laughs> at Scruffy O'Shea's. Send us at Scruffy, Scruffy O'Shea's. O'Shea's. <laughs> Send us a video. And and speaking uh, of Scruffy, uh, on that note, you were listening to Pod Gay Rock and Roll to you. And this week we were talking about soccer hooligans and jamming <laughs> out in high school because we were discussing the jams. That's entertainment from their 1981 album Sound Effects, written by Paul Weller and produced by Vic Coppersmith Heaven and The Jam and released on Metronome and Polydor. I love Paul Weller. This band Duffy is one of my favorites. Just, I love this band. They're, it's The Clash and The Jam, mm-hmm. The Beatles. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're right up there. And, and then Paul Weller continued on with another successful band called Style Council, and then, of course, a long solo career, which... By the way, let me just mention, he has had a number one album, actually more than, but at least one number one album um, every decade over the last five decades in Britain. Wow. So this guy has legs, you know, and, you know, he's, you know, he's obviously quintessential English and he's, you know, revered in, in the country, you know, uh, I mean, he's turned down, I think a second time now, a a CBE, you know, a a commander Ah. of the British Empire. Um, Hmm. Wow. Along with, along with, we should mention, wow. along with David Bowie, and, along with David Bowie and George Harrison, two guys he also really liked and admired, and also said, "What?" There's also this, political. Wait a second, Paul. This guy liked David Bowie? No. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, he, you know, there, well, there, there's, you know, he came out of the whole post-punk explosion, right? In, in yeah. the late '70s, and Clash loved him. They, he was close to the, all the members of the Clash. They, but, but he wanted this different sound. He had definitely that. 
that sound that came more from this particularly British stuff, obviously the Beatles, but then the Kinks, the Who's mod stuff, all that whole mod situation that was happening. Yeah. He took mm-hmm. all that. And that, of course, has all of its roots in American Motown, right? All American soul. That's where all that came from. That's where his influences are. So I just love all that about him and their whole music. Again, like I said, and I can't stress it enough, this song is not totally indicative of the band. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend. I was not super familiar with this. But I really like it. It really grows on you. It's been in my head all week. Like, every time I turn around, I find myself singing the That's Entertainment or the whole thing, really. Sure. I do love the way it just, it sounds so loose. I feel like the way he sings all gravelly, like... The song has immediate street cred because it's so, it's kind of punk. It's very loose. You can tell it's like casual and just even the the, the nature of the lyrics. Yeah, and it's cool because it seems more like a vehicle for like, we've talked about this before, but more a piece of art and a, like a, a an idea than than like some more well-crafted songs. Like this is, just, it's cool the way he's just telling you everything he sees and throwing it all into this ball and then just being like, now that's entertainment, you know, like, we're talking <laughs> no. about some shitty stuff. I, I can't believe I didn't know it very well. I feel like someone needs so to revoke cool. my 80s skate card. Your, your skate card? Um, yeah. that, that's hilarious. I, the song does, it is uh, catchy and it's in an unusual way. It's not typical. It'll just pop up on me. I'm not really singing it after I, after I hear the song. But, I, you know, I never heard this tune before this week. I don't think I'd ever heard the jam before this week, and I'm I may I may have never heard of this band at all, honestly. So, <laughs> Neil, had you at least heard of the band? <sighs> not really, man. Not really. But after listening, I mean, this is okay. Let me. Pre- I'm gonna say this is not a bad song. Okay, there okay. for okay. for me. Okay, there are aspects of the song I do not enjoy, uh, mainly the production. And then there are others that I do. I do find the lyric very fun and playful and tongue-in-cheek and sarcastic. It's a, it's a, uh, a quirky song because there's an energy there that absolutely doesn't correspond with the content of what he's talking about. And I enjoy that, that facet of it. It's almost like it's a little boring, but part of me feels like he intended it to be. And that might be the point. And if so, I mean, and I'm just, this is just throwing shit at, at the wall. But if so, you know, kudos to him. Like, that's a, yes. that's a really unique choice. And, and, and I respect that. Yeah, I think that I think that's definitely what he's going for. Just because he is talking about just this mundane shit and just a working class life. And that's entertainment. Yeah. Well, and it's also, I mean, there, there's punk elements there. And there's kind of some, like, we'll get into it later. But, like, almost some Southern California late 60s sunshine feel but it's also very his delivery is extremely theatrical and it (laughs) that also is just kind of a complete contrast to what he's talking about in the song he's he's making these mundane things so trying to make them so much bigger than they are but in in a sense they're pretty big anyway. It's shit that you see every every day and people experience every day. I love this song because of kind of the the things that Neil mentioned. The departure from their regular ouvrure and also just how kind of... I, I just had never heard anything like this when I was young. Just sort of talk mm-hmm. about ordinary subjects and then, you know, sort of your just day 
day-to-day British, or, you know, in this case, he's in Britain, of course, your day-to-day habits and day-to-day mm-hmm. activities of the state, you know, of, yeah. of, of day-to-day life, and then opine on them, you know, in this weird way, and then speak about how those things that you never really think about in many ways are doldrum and kind of get you down. And, of course, with the tongue-in-cheek, that's mm-hmm. entertainment course. That's you entertainment, know? So yeah. All of it just came together in this, like, Oh, this is a special song from this band that I love. And, and I think he does hit it melodically, but mm-hmm. like you mentioned, it's very simple. It's a sort of a minimalist song. I mean, there's no bridge. There's no secondary melodies happening yeah, really at all. It's, yeah, it's it's loose and simple. Yeah. Yeah, I would say the the lyric is, is my favorite part of the song for sure. Like it, Yeah, it's cool. There's some good lines. Paints a picture. Like it puts you in a place. You feel like you are there. The first verse is... I would say a masterful setting of the scene with the a police car and a screaming siren, pneumatic drill and a ripped up concrete, a baby wailing, a stray dog howling, the screech and brakes and a lamp, screech of brakes and a lamp like blinking. I mean, that's basically like, it sounds like you could be walking through a neighborhood in a city. You could be waking up in an apartment in a busy neighborhood in a city. You could be going to sleep in, <laughs> you know I mean? It's, it's, mm-hmm. but you know where you are. You're in an urban area, a lot of hustle and bustle, a lot of stuff is going on. He did say the damp on the wall was actually on his walls. <laughs> what's your uh, What's your favorite line? I don't know about line, but the verse, waking up at 6 a.m. on a cool, warm morning, opening the windows windows and breathing in petrol, an amateur <laughs> yeah. band rehearsing yeah. in a nearby yard, watching the yep. telly and thinking about thinking your about holidays. holidays. That, that, and, that makes and, me... and then he nails the holidays. Yep, yeah. that's my favorite. <laughs> Reading well. that, reading that is it, it, it's funny. I mean, it kind of makes me crack up a little bit because it's just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is life basically. Because and and this it, is the minutia of life, right? Mm-hmm. Not you yeah. Know I mean? And yeah. Th- this is entertainment for a lot of fucking people. You know, kind of that blue collar. Yep. Watching, uh, I, watching the telly, thinking about your holidays is amazing. Yeah. And even the delivery of it, the thinking about your holiday. holiday. Well, also the the uh, feeding the ducks and wishing I were far away, you know, yeah. <laughs> just doing something really calm and peaceful, and all you're thinking about is where else you could be, uh, <laughs> is is great. And now he did say that he got the idea from a poem in a fanzine by Paul Drew that was called That's Entertainment, and he said it really has nothing content wise to do with it. But he even wrote the guy a letter, and he said, "Hey, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna take this title." And the right. guy was like, "Oh yeah, sure," <laughs> but. Uh, you know, I don't think he had to like write the guy and be so good for uh, Paul Weller. Um, totally right. And he did it in ten minutes and pretty drunk yeah. when it, you know, after he left the pub. Well, and also, I mean, you could. Say, I, I did read something where he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, I mean, I probably, you know, I wrote a lot of verses, so I had to cut a lot. And you could, I mean, like the 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 tact. Yeah, you could just keep going. Yeah, the you angle he, he takes here is like, I am going to. You could find minutiae in anything in life <laughs> just i could picture somebody being drunk probably smoking some cigs just like oh yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. what's mm-hmm. what's up with my uh what's up with the loud clanky radiator let's write a verse about that yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> doing a podcast <laughs> <laughs> sitting in my living room and doing a podcast <laughs> I think naturally we can go from the lyric to the vocal, which it's it's fine, but it's so reminiscent of Bowie. It's hard to get past for me. I never me. thought that at all. I mean, it's 
very British. It's, it's almost just uh, gruff, more gruff and kind of almost more British than Bowie. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. He no, can sure. be, but when he says stray dog uh, barking, it's like... My, um, my favorite delivery is when he says uh, paint splattered walls and the cry of a tomcat. <laughs> the harmonies are fine. Yeah. They, they're very, uh, to me, they're like a mix of the birds and the kinks kind of. They're kind of mm-hmm. taking a couple of different things there in the harmonies, like totally. Yeah, the kinks. I mean, I mean, very kinksy, but but it has Crazy. that like, sunny, kinky. yeah, kinky, uh, birdsy, kinky quality. Very kinky. It, it's kinky. It's kinky. It's kinky punk. Uh, <laughs> it's kinky. <laughs> um, kinky but punk. I feel like this is a fairly common chord progression it's just he's just four chords he's going from the one to the six to the it's not super common it's very simple but like it's very um unique like when you hear it well now when i hear it i'll know what it is you know i I can't think of another song that kind of has that same strumming pattern in these that's fair chords well the strumming pattern is a different thing i mean then we're getting into the tempo which that's an interesting choice for me, because I do feel like as verbose as this lyric is, and as fast as the tempo is, I feel like the guitars and his vocal are just chasing the beat the entire time. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but the the vocal that it makes it more theatrical. Him just it's almost like he's running after something. So it it does, I guess, add to the to the busyness of uh, uh, the hustle and bustle kind of you know, mundane life in an urban area with everything that's going on around you. But I, it does feel like he's just chasing to like, all right, I hope I land it. You know, I hope I land this Tomcat where it needs to be. The line that I think after listening to a couple of covers that I think the like fanatics mm. of him really mm. love is yeah. the two lovers missing the tranquility of solitude. Yeah, <laughs> That line, when you hear that covered, and even when he sings it, he puts a little more bite in there than he does in the second line and any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. So that line does stand out. Whether It's a great line, too. It's really an odd thought, just like when you're wishing you were single. <laughs> oh, I actually do like the production a lot, just because it, it ah. sounds like... There, it sounds like the best version of him just writing it in his apartment after a couple beers with his buddies. Like, hey, fucking follow me. It's just these four chords. Uh, Let's do this. Um, it just, it sounds, it, it has yeah, a really I agree cool with you. kind yeah. of just overall vibe to it. It's very unique. And... Yeah, I so agree with that. the producer is uh, Vic Coppersmith Heaven, um, who basically kind of started off as an engineer in the 60s, did worked on a Cat Stevens record, worked on a couple Stones tunes. Uh, Sabbath record before he started working with Paul Weller and he started basically producing all the jam albums there at the beginning at least I think and this always pisses me off when I hear it and that's maybe because I'm a singer I think the mix drowns out the vocal because and I say that because like even when you listen to it the the, the, the backups are just as high in the mix as he is when they're doing the and and the acoustics are so loud and they just drown out Every, yeah, they just yeah. drown out the vocal, basically. Well, they, 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 what do you, what do you call that? They hmm. dilute the vocal mm-hmm. and the drums. While I, I don't hate them, it's you know like when you see I can't remember what it, it was a video, but you see the people playing on the buckets in the rain and the water's just going up. <laughs> I 
picture, I picture the acoustic guitars like water just bouncing off the string as <laughs> yeah, he's just chasing like after the fucking tempo. Like, uh, yeah. uh, um, so I just don't like, and, and, and the, the, the reason I know this is because there is a demo version where his vocal is much more pronounced and I enjoyed listening to that a little better. Just on one more thing on that, um, just the production of it and the way it is loose and sloppy and just it, it it's kind of almost the production is blue collar too. They're like, yeah, no bells and whistles here. Just yep. fucking strum it out. Yep. Let's do this. No. Yeah. Exactly. I think you have to have it that then you have this strange, weird, like kind of dichotomy between the production is super <laughs> slick yeah, yeah. and smooth. And then this, the lyrics in the song itself is very simple. And the lyrics of course are this mm-hmm. just, you know, straight matter of fact day in the life. So I think you, to me, the production was perfect. I think Neil hit it best when it's, to me, this version is look, when you create something in your bedroom, whatever, maybe alone with, you know, your guitar and a bunch of beers in you, you, you sort of want, an extra maybe a little guitar maybe a little bass minimal drums you know you kind of want the best of what just you alone can produce and i feel like this took it just to that level but not to a level mm-hmm, anywhere mm-hmm. above well that. just give me a little bit better than me and my guitar alone could you just dial that up a little bit okay yeah we'll bring bruce in on the bass mm-hmm. and we'll bring yeah. you know uh, I, rick on the drums for a, a tiny yeah. bit and and that well, to me was perfect. Yeah, well since you you know, said, said their names. We'll, we'll mention real quick. Paul Weller is uh, playing guitar and vocals. Bruce Foxton is bass guitar and vocals. And Rick Buckler is uh, doing the percussion. Now, I, I'll say this. I, I understand that, but if you're going to go into a studio, and for me, which for me, the song, the lyric is my favorite part, I want to hear every word. Uh, I don't want to have to, like, search for them. It's not inaudible in any way. Like I, I understand, but yeah. you, you do have to kind of like get through. The, the acoustic guitars are distracting to me from what my favorite part mm-hmm, of the song mm-hmm. is. Yeah, I so, hear I mean, it was tough to like even make out the lyrics when I first listened to it. It's just like, what? what is going on here? What is he saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's so, so fast too. So. Yeah. It, it, it almost sounds like the acoustics are up here in like the front, in like the vestibule, and he's way back at the end of the, the hallway yeah. Screaming at, towards them, and like his Are voice gets through. Him? Yeah, well, <laughs> he's running after him uh, <laughs> in the tube. Well, I mean, you know, in, in his in his defense, the lights were going out, and he was about to get a kick in the bowls. So you know, that is fair. That is fair. Here's where we differentiate because musically. I do enjoy like when the like the bass is very strong. It's yeah, very melodic. I, sure. I don't mind where that is in the mix. It's pretty high in the mix as it well. Is, it's, yeah, uh, it's very I mean, high, it's, very loose, and very melodic. It's cool. It, but quintessential jam. Like they are yeah, a bass it, band. Like, that's you know, one of the highlights. Yeah. So if you hear those other songs that I told you guys to listen to, yeah. Uh, other than the other than the um, lyric, that's the highlight of the song for heavy me. Is, bass. is the bass and and I do the one production aspect I like. Um, and I don't know if this was Coppersmith Heaven, which what a name uh, by the way, or <laughs> or the band itself. You know, the sparse use of percussion is effective in yeah. here. Like that, I think more than anything adds to that working class ethos of. The content of the song because they use it very sparsely and when it comes in it's just boom, boom, boom. one of my favorite parts is the like in the la la la's the reverby like clap or the wood block way in the background it, but uh, yeah, it, it's yeah. super cool yeah. I, I, yeah just the use of percussion that included yeah yeah they did some creative stuff there i mean they definitely it's, it's very simple but 
during the choruses or after the choruses with the la-las and those claps I was talking about and that crazy-ass uh, reverse guitar, which is cool. It works. I just, yeah. I, I'm just wondering yeah. how they came to that decision. Like, I, here's here's my idea. Right. And Paul, you may know the true yeah. story, and you can tell us after I say. That. I, I think this was something that he was just fucking around with, and he was just like, ah, I want to put this in something. And they were like, you know what? That's entertainment. Could use something else. Let's just yeah. put it in there. And this will. I can do this easily over this chord progression. And it's it's got it's not it's yeah. got a nice it little, a little melodic progression. <laughs> Yeah, it, we can do a little. What's the song? Uh, Turn off your mind. Really? What's yeah. the, what's uh, the Tomorrow never knows. You know, I don't know the actual reason, but I, I think you may have nailed it. I think it's like, oh, we have this song that could use that element. You know, something that he had either tried before, or or something that he was obviously yeah. influenced by, and you know, and sort of found delight in doing, <laughs> and wanted to sort of throw it in here. I don't know if it. Are you guys kind of? I'm not sure if you were thinking it. Like no, no, no. It works. Song, it definitely works. It was, it was a... just. It was just. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I honestly didn't idea, notice it. There was probably a discussion about it and/or an argument. Mm, yeah. <laughs> no, it's going in. I didn't notice it the first few listens. It kind of, yeah. it kind of snakes yeah. in there for just mm-hmm. like a real quick second, yeah. and then it's out. And then it's That's just another like, thing totally too. It just shows totally up right. out of nowhere, yeah. and then it's gone as quick yeah. as it I had, came. I had. When I yeah. read, I actually didn't notice it until I read about, it. and I probably listened to it fifteen times this week, and I. I well, read about it today, scary. and they were like, "Oh, the backward guitar." And then I was like, "Listen to it again." I was like, "Oh, there it is." I was like, "That seems out of place," but I mean, it sounds fine. <laughs> yeah, I think it also adds this, which I'm sure they were thinking of, all of them at least. You know, it adds some complexity to a kind of minimalist song, right? It, there's a, it, it's too simple. Throw so some I think backwards that's guitar. It, it, let's just do that. Exactly. Let's do that. Now, a couple of fun facts about this song. It was uh, number 306 on Rolling Stone's best five, top 500 songs. It was number 43 on BBC2's best song recorded ever. And it hit 21 on the UK charts despite not being a single. So at the time, it was the highest selling import. So basically, British band. That's the metronome one. Yeah, and, and, and they're just importing this German because they didn't release it as a single, and it, it, it got as high as 21, which is uh, quite the feat if you're mm-hmm. not, have no publicity. It's strictly word of mouth, which I guess was more common back then than it is no, today. for sure. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. But that actually, that's an interesting kind of element. Like, what was that kind of discussion? Why to leave it out? And, you know, why not to... Well, I think if you listen, maybe I mean they're not thinking it has the standard jam. Again, we talked about this earlier, but it doesn't have that standard jam sound. It doesn't have that sort of, you know, that early or you know early new wave post punk, you know, that kind of driving guitars yeah. and that driving bass that that he was that they were known for. It doesn't have that clash sound yeah. like a lot of those other songs. That I think is just like, oh, maybe this isn't us. You know, turned out to maybe be the most of them. Even when I listen to this album, I mean, I would say, I don't know what they released as singles. I think Start would probably be a one. Uh, probably my favorite song on the album is Monday. I listened to the, um, yeah. oh, the nice. Malice one. What's that? That's not, not on this album. No, it's but, not. But I did my homework. You told me to listen to that one. That one definitely has the 60s kind of Motown kind of vibe to it. So does Beat Surrender. Which and it's another like album. ironic song. It has this happy sound. And then, you know, it's just yeah. dark. Yeah. Yeah, 
that's one of their biggest, most popular songs too. There's a what's it called again? A town called Malice. A town called Malice, and that brings us to the vibe time portion of this podcast. And Paul, we're gonna give you a last shot. Third at, time's a charm. <laughs> at turning on the vibe here. The no sound. The Cue the music in three, two, one. <laughs> uh, I think he did his best Jonathan like, there. Battery died. I think I think you 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 know you you gave us a lot of examples in the last three weeks, Paul, and we appreciate that. So, Paul, this is your song. So, it, to show you our appreciation, we're going to let you tell us uh, first when you want to hear this song. Well, again, I, I love this band. I like the song, you know, so I like to hear them all the time. So this song to me isn't so much when you want to hear it. It's because I'm not sure that this is one of those songs that proposes a specific time or place, you know, uh, definitely not really a vibe to me. But I think it's where do you go when you hear it? And so I think for me, that vibe is, you know, like what I'm feeling when I when it when I put it on, and for me, it puts me in this reflective huh. place. He goes, and, and, and to me, a favorable one. Even though I think in mm-hmm. his writing, it's it's a bit sardonic, yeah. you know, right? He's kind of talking about the the, the, the ordinary and the sort of minutia of daily life, and those things, you know, he sort of contrasts with the that's entertainment line, you know. But obviously, I like the song, so it puts me in a in a in a favorable place, but definitely a reflective one where I can sort of re- reflect on the yeah. normalities yeah, yeah. of life, you know, again, the, the, the stuff you'd never, ever reflect on. And so I, th- I like that there's this kind of blues aspect to it, you know, mm-hmm. like singing yeah. the blues, like talking about these things. Not, you know, it's not hard. No, he's going to he's gonna get through it. He's going to get through it. It's not, you know, it's just, be yeah, right. He's it's, seeing it's, the silver it's, lining, it's, too. He's going to be all right. And I love that I reflect on just my day-to-day minutia, you know, and it makes me go, yeah, I don't yeah, look at the time. This is entertaining. Things, you know? They're not necessarily the roses I'm smelling. It's yeah. just, yeah, you don't stop but and smell. You don't stop and smell the ordinary. Forget the roses. Uh, <laughs> Neil, when, when do you want to hear um, That's Entertainment? Well, I have a, I have a game plan here. Next, oh, okay. I want to go back to London for another vacation at some point in my life. And when I get back, I'm going to do a slideshow of pictures to this song. I think it's perfect for like, just like vacation pictures. That's entertainment. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. I like that. Or that's a, that's a really creative uh, vibe. Now, I'm going to go in the opposite direction and go with the more mundane. I want to hear this like maybe when I'm gardening or doing something <laughs> that is mundane uh-huh. and I, you know, can just kind of zone out and uh, ap- appreciate the entertainment value. When you're doing- now, I do have a question, uh, and I probably should say I also want to hear the song, well, the perfect <laughs> time, when I'm eating my tea, which I'm not really sure. <laughs> what the hell is that? I, I'm, a tea, I'm a tea guy, the- so I, I drink tea every morning, but I call call it drinking tea do you guys know what that is that just having tea with biscuits i guess i don't i have no idea <laughs> yeah or is it is it is he you know is he watching the news and and he you know he's he's his mind is elsewhere and so he's not actually oh. eating the tea bag right so he's because he's not paying mm-hmm. attention so you're you're like okay if you picture <laughs> someone so eating a tea bag then it's so mundane he's he accidentally eating a tea bag 
Elsewhere, you know that, what? Yeah, he doesn't see when he dip, dips the teacup back to his mouth and the teacup. You know what, Paul? It, it, I, I will, I will accept that answer. And you know, speaking of eating tea bags, you would, <laughs> in more ways than one. Uh, why don't we, uh, why don't we slide under the influence? Um, which I think is one of the only times you're going to find someone eating a tea bag. <laughs> and talk about the influences of this song. We've mentioned a few, but I mean, Paul, you're the you're the expert on this band. So why don't you give us your take? And then we'll go off of that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, there's the there's the who kinks thing. We talked about that. Um, Small faces for sure, because mm-hmm. that was really a big, especially oh, the Steve yeah. Marriott days. But even the early Ron shit. Wood and uh, Rod Stewart days for sure. In fact, there's a great Paul Weller video. If you want to catch a great Paul Weller uh, Weller video of um, Ron Wood and Paul Weller at. Um, Neil Lane's, I'm sorry, Ron Lane's memorial tribute doing um, mm. Ooh La La, uh, a, great, a great version. It's Paul and Ron oh, Wood together. Nice. It's awesome. Anyway, for those for sure, but when he was in, in the late 70s, early 80s, he got really into Nina Simone. Hmm. He had sort of bypassed her, yeah. just you know, her music had bypassed him up until that point in his career. Um, and it was just someone, an artist he kind of didn't get around to. And and he was just gobbling up her music in the late 70s, early 80s, and just fell in love with her. And um, he was really taken by her, like her vocal style, you know, and well, her musicianship too, of course, because she's a classic trained, but he, um, he loved and he said that he loved the way she sang and almost had that lyrical spoken element to it. it and it does, she, she kind of does sing like that. If you listen to Feeling Good or I mm-hmm. Put a Spell on You, she she actually she sings like this. She does that sing speak kind of thing. It's really unique. It's really cool. Uh, it's actually kind of a precursor to the sort of singing, sort of speaking mm-hmm, of hip hop mm-hmm. music, you know. And so I think also Neil or uh, Josh, I think you mentioned this kind of with the vocals. Um, I think he was really going for that in a way that was not so purposeful. But it's like he's definitely singing here, but he's almost like poetically speaking to you as well and i think that was really heavily influenced by that nina simone that he was totally listening huh. to literally while he was writing that so i think all that got unearthed in this song yeah. and that's something yeah, i had to find out of deep. a book that's good you know, stuff so that's very i mean yeah. it, just off the not knowing about them or as much about that as you i mean i, I i'm just gonna stick with kind of what we what we said kinks birds bowie and maybe something out of the blue would be like I definitely think this probably I can hear some of this in some like Wilco uh, songs certainly, certainly. moving forward. So I, I definitely think they were fans. If I had well, to put money on it, I got a couple good ones. I mean, it really is just her, his version of a day in the life, kind of you know mm. that specific mm-hmm. song on speed <laughs> chasing, and I. I the way it starts really reminds me of Steeler's Wheels, like almost stuck in the ah. middle, you know? And to that yeah. point, that strum, yeah. big influence, you know, we've mentioned it, but the Who and Pete Townsend specifically on... Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> totally. And he loves yeah. it. Yeah. Definitely the Smith, and going forward too with you, Neil, the oh, Smiths well, yeah. and Oasis, of course, too, because going, and, keep going Yeah, I mean, one more there. thing. I mean, and we're, we're about to get to it, but some of the covers, even just... That whole, like, The Cure, Morrissey, just that, you know, those 80s bands that had this sound, The Clash. I mean, they're more contemporary, but yeah, I mean, I, I just when I first listened to it, I was like, ah, I see. I see how this was one of the 
the early versions of this sound. Well, you know what I see is us yeah. jumping under the covers since you're already there. <laughs> you Neil. are. Paul you're and I are Josh on our way. Waving, waving. Jesus on, Christ. <laughs> um, <laughs> which you already mentioned one. I mean, the Morrissey cover is good. I, I like that he shortened yeah. it up. You can hear what he's saying. You can hear what he's saying. He really accentuates, yeah. and it's a nice kind of, it really accentuates the melody, I think, more mm-hmm. than than the original. I also listened to a version by Billy Bragg, which is more an yeah. homage than a cover, yeah. I would almost I say. Was, I, was, I wanted more out of that. I was disappointed. I was like, yeah. oh, this is going to be good, and it started okay, too. and then it just... It's too like theatric, and he's like leaning into these this accent, which he has, he makes it he makes it more boring. Like he really and leans more into British the boring. Somehow, or more and, and more. <laughs> how does it how does even... the same thing? But but he also did this thing where it's more British yeah, and more yeah. boring. Yeah, that's crazy to me. Although Billy Bag is pretty British, but um, but also it did bring out, and I think one of you touched just barely touched on this it did bring out this folkiness sure. to the song and it you kind of can hear that now when you go back after you hear the billy bragg or maybe the wonder stuff version which was really bad but there was definitely some folkiness well, in folk music one. is about it, working class blue cotton mm-hmm. like yeah. that's yeah. that yeah. ethos because exactly, all those elements yeah. are there exactly yeah um i i listened to as i said the demo which i think is a good listen if you do like this song just yes. to check out what yes. You know, kind of the maybe the the more basic version of this sounds like the there's a live version on an album called Days of Speed that is it, it has some it has good energy like you could see how it'd be an entertaining song to see live. And then yeah. the last one I listened to was uh, by a band called Electric Six, and they use a lot of shakers with the guitars. Which this must be a good song because we we do a lot of this, Paul. Where better song or performance? And this this should have been the Electric Six version, not great, but the the melody of the song is good enough to where you can't really fuck it up mm-hmm. and do a bad cover. Yeah. I don't yeah. I, I don't think from what I heard. We're about to find out. With you. <laughs> no, but what, what 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 one more note on the on the covers just because I think we just kind of skipped over it a little bit. But that Morrissey cover was actually mm-hmm. kind of a hit I'm for sure. him too. There's some elements that Morrissey brings, you know, the, the Morrissey aspects of it directly to that to that oh, song. God. But I do love how he even um, he actually gives it some extra stuff, changes even the mm. lyrics a little bit, because when even he does the little kick in the balls, it is all that shit yeah. in the name. Like, so he uh, actually in the na- yeah, that's, actually, that's cool when he does that it. in the name of entertainment. It, it exactly, and it highlights the whole lights going out and the kick in the balls line into that. That's entertainment. Mm-hmm. So it gives you almost a. Oh, that's a is that a different chorus? I, you know, and so I love that he changed that a little bit. He obviously loves the song so much that he probably played it in his head so many times, as we all do. And you kind of come up with a little yeah, version and, of yeah. your own. And then obviously he he committed well, that to record. Even that little part, what he's playing with there, like that's one of the cool things about this song too, is that little like jump start when he's like, and I say that's, and I say, yeah. and I say, mm-hmm. and I say, I say. Um, exactly. uh, well. Yeah, or even in I the had, name um, of, but yeah. The, and one, one, one more note, I don't know if you guys saw Paul, and since we did talk about this two episodes ago, Noel Gallagher yeah, does I was a just great gonna, version I was going to bring that stage. up. Um, okay. I watched that, yeah, and it's super Go cool. I almost enjoy that more than the recorded version, just because it, it's a little slower, you can tell what they're saying, and then with Noel kind of yep. singing it right there with them, it was really, uh, really cool, totally. and they're just having fun. It's an easy song. Like you said, Josh, there's no way we can fuck this up. Let's just have some fun. Yeah. What I love that Noel's singing the original produced version 
and Paul singing a version mm-hmm. he's sung 71,000 mm-hmm. times. And so Paul has these little nuances, little differences, and Noel has to kind of catch up and he changes the la 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 part. If you notice after the second yeah. la la la, he changes it to match Paul's la 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 version uh, because Noel just went straight mm-hmm. from the book. Yep. You know? <laughs> I like that. That was interesting. If you really know the song well enough, you catch those subtle differences. Well, ca- speaking of catching subtle differences, um, Paul, how does the shoe fit? Hmm. Well, the shoe this time, I, 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 I <laughs> so, or I should say research. I actually just spent. You went to Foot Locker. <laughs> this one fits like a. It fits like a black leather loafer, basket weave. Basket maybe weave. a black tassel. tassel. Maybe a black tassel. Maybe it, but 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 maybe not. Probably just minimalist. Just a straight no tassel. Loafer. No fucking um, tassel. Simple, you know. But, but it's got to be mod, right? It's got to be it's yeah, yeah. It's got to be yeah. mod, right? It's got to be cool. Maybe mod. You know, it's got to have some basket basket weave. Tech, <laughs> I like know, it. I love it. Little, it's great. You know, just style to it. But yeah, nice. I like that you put the effort in this week, Paul. I like that. You, <laughs> I like that you went there. You went above and beyond. Then we we appreciate that. Neil, what? Uh, how does the shoe fit for you? It fits uh, like a work boot or shoe, and just like this song, it's not my favorite, but it's important. Interesting. So I, I also did a worker's boot um, that I would see on like the foot of a construction worker that I, you know, pass uh, by a work site. And I appreciate the sturdiness of like this. I could tell it's an old boot and I appreciate the sturdiness of the sole, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, how it was made. But I don't necessarily love the look of the rest of it, but I don't forget it. You know, I think about it a little bit. Like, it, it's definitely not out of my mind, you know, when I take a right on another street. Yeah. It's like, like at least, an, you know, at least next day, so maybe next week. They're not, they're not chasing shoes? <laughs> get on my chasing shoes. <laughs> they're, they're, they're trying to get there. <laughs> uh, the, the shoes, do you feed ducks right, with those Look, shoes? we can feed whatever you can, you can. And wish you had a non. And wish you had another. You, you know, no, no. These are the type of shoes that, like, for you know, the guy would be Forrest Gump. He'd have them in a shoebox sitting on the bench, you know, and he'd be telling people <laughs> stories. Uh, <laughs> well, well. On that note, Paul, this ends our three-week not planned British invasion of Podgate Rock and Roll to you. Totally. Uh, <laughs> totally. So, so thanks for uh, accompanying us on that journey, which no idea you were such a huge uh, fan and that it worked out just that way uh, for you to just be able to talk about a bunch of British bands that you love. Well, no, and to our listeners, too, obviously, none of us know what our choices are going to be. I had mine already chosen, but, of course, I went third. Well, yeah, and you and guys were... I'm thank I'm privileged that you didn't you know didn't yeah. make me change it. You said no 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 let's continue down this road. So that was hell yeah. Thanks, guys. And uh, <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> our cover <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, our cover of the jams that's entertainment. Oh, boo. 
The cover you just heard was performed by Neil Marsh and Josh Bond. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify or wherever you listen. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Next week is Neil's week, so Neil, what will we be discussing? Uh, one of my favorite underrated bands, Los Lobos, When the Circus Comes. Damn way! Ha, 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 ha.